Hi, all of you wonderful scuba divers out there. Welcome to the Scuba Diver Magazine podcast, where I break down the latest scuba diving news and just things that have piqued my interest over the previous week. The podcast is sponsored by the scuba diving giant Scuba Pro, who manufacture a wide range of diving equipment for entry-level scuba divers experiencing the underwater world for the first time to advanced technical divers and professional scuba divers as well. I'll talk more about Scuba Pro later on in this podcast. This week on the podcast, some interesting news is coming out of the Dima show in America. Uh, police are searching for a surfer who rescued a scuba diver in Australia. A new underwater depth record has been set. Uh, there was an underwater earthquake that was filmed by some rather unexpected divers, and the historic diver Don Walsh has passed away. So, of course, this week is Dima Week. Um, they have a big dive show over in the States once a year. It's, um, it's normally around mid-November, and this is where a lot of the brands like to release new or tease new dive equipment. And the first one that um, that really really uh, came across my radar was the new Shearwater dive computer, uh, which they're calling the TERN. Uh, which is T-E-R-N, like the bird. Uh, a lot of shearwater dive equipment has bird-inspired um, names. I mean, even a shearwater is a type of bird. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's it's basically a recreational version of the Terek, as far as I see. Um, they, they have given some of the information about it. There's two versions. There's the Turn and the Turn TX. Uh, the TX version is like the, the air-integrated version. But it's effectively, yeah, a Shearwater Terek, but with fewer, like, technical features. It's aimed more at the sport diver. So it's a bit more affordable. Uh, it's still got the really nice uh, AMO LED screen, so it's nice and bright, very easy to see. Rechargeable battery, uh, it goes on your wrist. It's It looks like a very similar body to the Terek. Uh, I thought they might have been able to make it a little bit slimmer because the Terek's still quite chunky on your wrist. Uh, I thought with a um, uh, with like a sport diver version of it, it might be a little bit slimmer, but from what I can tell, it looks quite similar to the, uh, to the Terek body. They have made some changes to it. The buttons look different. The overall uh, like style of the body looks a little bit different uh they've changed the uh, the ways that the straps are attached with the Terek, you have this kind of nut and bolt kind of design and you need two um uh, like hex keys to unscrew them whereas with this one they've got a new shearwater remora like quick change straps which i'm quite interested to see um they did give a fair amount of information uh, about it uh, air nitrox three gas nitrox uh, gauge and free dive modes uh, so yeah and um it has a, a retail the regular version for 650 dollars and the uh, the transmitter the wireless air integrated version uh, 775 us dollars so it's a bit more affordable compared to the uh, for, to the Terek. um yeah, that, that was quite interesting. And then I think it was later the same day, Garmin uh, just kicked the door in uh, with their Descent Mark III. Um, and like the rest of the, um, the like Garmin Descent range, they've improved upon it. So with the Mark III and the, uh, the Mark III I, they're also releasing a T2 transmitter. Um, that's a, a big upgrade so with the the t1 transmitter 
it could talk and tell you the um, uh, your cylinder pressure and all that, which is all very well and good. Most transmitters will do that. Uh, the new T2 transmitter has this like built-in um, sonar. So not only does that increase the range of the transmitter up to like 10 meters, which is incredible, um, it also allows you to, obviously, if, if allowed to and like paired up, you can monitor the like gas pressure and I think even the depth of all of your buddies in 10 meter radius but also in a 30 meter radius you can send basic communication so you can you can list up a bunch of um, like pre-typed out messages like hey are you okay uh, what's your gas pressure turn around uh, whatever it is and um, and yeah you just Push a few buttons on your uh, on your Descent Mark Three and uh, or Mark Three I, and and it will send a message to your buddy, so you can you, you can receive text messages underwater. Now, uh, yeah, limited range, but still thirty meters is pretty good. Uh, thirty meters is probably in like pure distilled water with perfect line of sight. Um, but in um, like realistic conditions, it's probably going to be a little bit less than that. But they're pretty cool features. It also has a. Um, I mean, they they go into their like GPS thing. Um, they they're leaning into that so that it, you get depth information on the map. You can see where you are on the map in real time, and you can see the uh, the, the depth, the gradients, and all that kind of stuff. They've um, they've input. I think 4,000 dive sites onto their map. Uh, I presume that's going to increase as time goes on and you can download them uh, for certain areas. And that way you can tell like roughly where you are in relation to the um, uh, to the dive site. Now, GPS only tends to work on the surface. Uh, it, the signals don't penetrate through water particularly well, so I imagine it's just a surface feature that you just go, oh, okay, here I am. Uh, the dive site is just over there to my right. Uh, so if I descend here with the current, I'll, uh, I'll sort of hit it at a certain depth and this is how deep I need to be. Uh, so, yeah. Quite a cool feature. Another one which I uh, I like the idea of was a dive readiness meter. So because it has like heart rate monitor and uh, like activity monitors and all that kind of stuff, it takes your recent like sleep schedule. Um, how I think maybe mm, not really sure. I don't want to commit to that. I wanted to say it takes your body temperature, but I don't actually remember seeing that it could be in there uh it's got a lot of bells and whistles in there but it'll take like your heart rate uh, over the the past like few hours and whatnot to uh, to work out like just how conservative you should be on the dive ahead it gives you like a naught to 100 scale so if you're at 100 then yeah you can be pretty adventurous whereas if you're like a 67 or something you know what maybe take it a little bit easier on this uh it takes like jet lag and all these kind of things into account just to recommend like yeah how ready you are for the dive at hand and whether you should be a bit more conservative uh, or whether you can go a bit more full out um it has a built-in flashlight which is pretty cool. Uh, I have seen computers with what they call like flashlights, but all it really did was just turn the entire screen white. Um, uh, of course, that's going to drain the battery, but it's quite a nice little feature if you're like trying to get back in uh, in the dark. You're, you're trying to find like the keyhole for your car or whatever. Um, God, street to car still have to keyholes um, for your front door. Trying to find your front door keyhole. Um, 
and you just need a little bit of light, then yeah, you've got one built into your watch. And uh, and of course that works underwater. So if you really are caught short, uh, your primary dive light fails, your backup fails, or you've forgotten it, and uh, your buddy decides to swim it into an overhead environment or whatever it is, uh, yeah, you've got this little flashlight. Of course it has all like scuba diving modes, everything up to like closed circuit rebreather, apnea and all that stuff. But it also has all of the surface sport things like running, swimming, hiking, golfing, and all those kind of um, sort of funky things uh, with the GPS. So you can like locate yourself and where you are. Uh, very, very clever piece of kit. Uh, it's not particularly cheap. Um, the, um, the, the most expensive version, because there's three yeah kind of three versions you get two different sizes and then you get it with or without the wireless air integration uh the the largest the 51 mil with the titanium bracelet uh so that will sell for 1600 pounds i think um and the uh, the smaller or the the very cheapest version uh is 1100 pounds so uh, so yeah it's it's a it's a costly investment but you're getting a lot. A lot of people they they compare it just to a like a, a standalone computer, like your um, uh, Shield Turn. But the Turn, as soon as you get it above the water, it's just a basic digital watch. It um, it doesn't have like GPS and heart rate monitors and all that kind of stuff. Um, so when you're like trying to compare the descent to like normal watch size dive computers it's pretty hard because you have all of these extra features um so yeah it even has um garmin pay and granted garmin pay isn't the fanciest uh compared to some of the uh, the like wireless just bop it on a um on a card machine uh, but it still works in some places and that's pretty rare to find in a dive computer and it has a new um, amo led screen to uh, to bring it up to the the standard that was the one thing that i found or one of the things that i found with the um uh, with the mark one and the mark two is that yeah when you do directly compare it with the uh, uh, with the shearwater Terek, the Terek is just so bright and clear and um and now the uh, the Mark III has the same screen, so it's like, okay, they really are catching up. Uh, they also announced it was pretty quiet um, this uh, this announcement, but there's a a new version of the G1, which is Garmin's like budget version. It doesn't have a color screen, but it's still um, it's a really fine like dot matrix screen um, at which like requires much less battery power to uh, to power it but you can still read all the same information uh so it is the new word the new version is the descent g1 solar ocean edition so g1 there was the g1 and then the g1 solar uh, and as the name suggests it's got a little solar panel in the face so that if you're out and about it's constantly recharging the battery whenever it's uh, it's out in the sun, so it just extends that battery life, and you don't have to take it off and put it on the charger quite so frequently. Um, but with the ocean edition, uh, the ocean edition, it's designed with environmental responsibility in mind. So one hundred percent of the plastic used to make to make the watch's housing, the bezel, and the buttons comes from recycled ocean-bound plastics. Uh, in addition to its eco-friendly construction, the G One Solar uh, Ocean Editions features that solar charging lens that lets divers explore longer up to 25 hours of battery life in dive mode and up to 124 days in smartwatch mode when you're using that solar 
solar charging. It only seems to be in one colorway, uh, which is like dual blue. Uh, they call it azure blue. Um, there may be different colors uh, coming out later on, uh, but yeah, they um, they were both announced at DEMA, along with a, a funky little uh, analyzer from DiveSoft. They call it the DNA, the DiveSoft uh, something, Nitrox analyzer, I think. <laughs> and um, it's it's a tiny, tiny little thing. Normally your, um, your O2 analyzers are kind of big and clunky, but this one, it's only like 111 millimeters long. So it literally fits in the palm of your hand. You can put it in your pocket really easily. Uh, it uses the same um, O2 sensors as their rebreathers. So if you're getting your, um, your rebreather serviced, and the, the O2 cell is still actually kind of good, but they're being replaced. Instead of throwing it away, you can use it in the uh, the O2 analyzer and built-in Bluetooth. And that pairs to a an app on your phone. So you scan, you scan, you analyze your, um, uh, your gas mix, and that beams it directly to your phone, and it tells you exactly what your gas mix is or what your nitrox mix is, and, uh, and then you can input that and plan the dive ahead. Uh, so that was a smart little thing, and it's, um, it's an, yeah, anodized aluminium uh, with a uh, TPU um, ends to it. So it's small, it's tough, it fits in your pocket, and it uses a, um, or CR, 2450 battery i think it was uh, so just small dinky little battery that lasts anywhere up to two years depending on how much you use it uh yeah and it was um just over 200 euros i think which is pretty fair for a um for an analyzer and um yeah i, I think that's worth looking into and um yeah if you're in the market for a new analyzer uh, it's it's cheaper than some of the uh, the alternatives the next new story comes from indonesia where there were um uh, they've had several earthquakes recently and they were actually filmed or divers were actually filmed uh, experiencing the uh, the earthquakes um, and, uh, and uploaded online. And the videos are just nuts. So um, if you head over to... Um, so the video starts as most underwater videos start. Uh, you just get this nice view of a uh, of coral reef bunch of scuba divers and photographers uh just kind of doing their thing cruising around and um and then all of a sudden it's like the worst sudden onset tidal movement and all of the water and the divers in it just kind of shift a few meters to one side and then backwards and then you see a lot of them like scrambling to get something uh, to grab hold of and all of the, it, it was like crystal clear. Um, everything's all uh, sort of nice and sedate, nice coral reef as you uh, imagine it. But then because everything's shaking, all of the sand and the silt just lifts up and just becomes this huge dust cloud uh, and a bunch of divers just trying to figure out what on earth is going on. Um, it's incredible. They um, had two earthquakes. Uh, one was 6.7 and one was 7.1 magnitude. And it occurred about a minute apart with another later on in the day and in an area in the middle of the Banda sea according to the u.s geological survey the service uh, the service classified them as the most significant recent earthquakes around the world uh, categorized as strong shaking uh, they originated at a depth of 10 kilometers and were followed by a number of smaller aftershocks the nearest island to the epicenter was nila in indonesia's southwest 
Maluku Regency, and the scuba divers are presumed to have been operating from a liverboard. Um, the first of the video clips was posted on TikTok three days after the event uh, by at Red uh, Red. Don't truth. R e d o y j o y nine 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 nine. Red joy something like that. Um, followed by two more over the next days, and the effects of the sudden shaking can be seen on the fish as well as the divers. Uh, the fish clearly have no idea what's going on. Uh, but yeah, incredible. I've I've obviously never experienced anything like that. But that must be just nuts. We're just suddenly out of the blue your whole world just moves i mean i've been underwater in uh like thunderstorms that was pretty cool uh, i thought someone was taking photos uh with a flash consistently and uh, and then when i got out you suddenly realize oh it's raining and thunder now okay that must be what those flashes were um but no never a um an earthquake that's um that's uh, pretty different. A male scuba diver died after slipping on rocks whilst trying to exit the sea on New South Wales's central coast in Australia. And now police are trying to identify a mystery surfer who managed to bring him back to shore in challenging conditions. So emergency services had responded to reports of a diver unconscious in the water at Terrigal Haven, about 90 kilometres north of Sydney at 5.45pm on the 20th of October. The diver, who was a 51-year-old male, had been shore diving with a buddy, but the pair had headed back in as the weather had changed. He had been trying to climb onto the rocks in heavy swell when a large wave struck him, causing him to slip, hit his head and fall back into the water. At this point, a male surfer who had seen the incident entered the water on his board and brought the diver back to shore where CPR was performed until the arrival of New South Wales ambulance paramedics. The diver was airlifted to hospital in critical condition and died there a few days later. Brisbane Water Police District detectives working to produce a coroner's report have now appealed for the surfer or anyone in the community who can identify him to come forwards because he may have information that could help with their investigation. Yeah, trying to exit in poor conditions is tricky and it's always worth going a little bit further to find an easier exit point. Trying to exit on large, uneven, rocky substrate with the waves uh, sort of crashing behind you is very, very tough. I'd rather spend a bit more time in the water swimming parallel to the shore to get to a more convenient exit point than trying to struggle with all of my equipment. Um, and, and yeah, something like this can happen. So um, do be careful if you do surface and the uh, and the water conditions have suddenly changed, um, then yeah, do uh, to sort of spend a bit of time. Just take a few moments just to assess what's ahead of you sure you can head straight back to shore but if it's not the um if it's a dangerous place to exit the water then it is worth just traveling a bit farther um to uh, to get somewhere a bit safer to uh, to exit has been set by canadian photographer steve haining and his team with a breath hold model photo shoot completed in cold lake waters but this time it was at a depth of 30 meters so the depth had become known for setting a ac accidental guinness world record for the deepest underwater model shoot in 2021 uh although that story was widely circulated only this summer now 
They've improved on that dive with another session almost five times deeper and in even colder conditions in Lake Huron. Uh, so this time, Marisha Klups, uh, who had been dive safety coordinator and air donor to the breath hold model on the previous suit, had to shed her dry suit and do the posing in a flimsy gown in seven degrees Celsius water, enduring severe muscle spasms as a result. I can imagine seven degrees Celsius. You only get a few minutes in there before your hands stop working. Uh, and she had to pose in a uh, in a dress uh, as part of the self-imposed challenge Haining was also testing the limits of photographic equipment unproven at that depth guinness world records has now verified his team's achievement at 34, Haining has been recognized as a leading topside photographer, cinematographer, and film director. He started out a decade ago shooting rock musicians, athletes, and other celebrities before shifting increasingly into advertising work and fine art landscape photography. He had conducted underwater breath hold model shoots before 2021, but usually in indoor pools or in Caribbean open water sessions with his subjects in scuba gear. So the 2021 underwater shoot, uh, which also took place in Lake Huron, uh, but only at a depth of 6.4 meters, it actually originated um, as a like COVID pandemic with a uh, with a joke of it being easier for Haining's team to work, um, like scuba divers using personal air supplies, so you didn't have to get worry about like getting too close because you're all just breathing clean filtered air um and that way they um they hope to meet canadian rules about commercial photographic and film work um no one had expected the joke to result in a guinness world record but in the most recent uh, photo shoot the one um, going down to 30 meters yeah a lot of their um uh, their lighting and their photographic equipment was just rated to like 10 meters and of course they they weren't sure whether it was just going to go pop at uh, at 11 meters but he couldn't use just conventional underwater lighting he wanted something specific uh, the, uh, the the lighting tubes were only rated for 10 meters uh, and they had been used to about 18 meters um so they were kind of keen to let Haining like take the strain in exploring deeper possibilities because you know what if it works at 18 maybe it'll work a little bit further um and without any like alternatives, they're like, sure, come on, let's uh, let's give it a go. And um, yeah, continued on with a, a thirty meter deep uh, photo shoot on a on a shipwreck. The pictures are are pretty cool. The main consideration was, of course, the uh, the temperature. There was a thermocline over the wreck that they were planning to uh, to shoot at, which pushed the temperature suddenly from seventeen degrees down to seven degrees Celsius, uh, which made it really good for visibility. But for the uh, for the poor model who had to uh, do it all in a dress with no neoprene, uh, very very tough. You can see her wearing a uh, a hood. At, uh, at certain points, I presume just to try and keep her, her head warm as as warm as possible. And uh, and she actually said, I just found that my diaphragm started spasming because she's holding her breath as well. And um, whilst like lining up the shot, waiting for the, uh, the backup divers to get out of the shot, she's got to hold her breath, pose and wait for the photo to, um, to be cleared and then the photo to be taken. So she found it very hard to do a uh, proper breathe up preparation. And then when she didn't have the regulator in her mouth, her diaphragm was spasming again. So she's worried she's going to start 
just inhaling water. Um, the entire dive, uh, including cleanup, uh, equipment removal, and the safety stop, lasted just over half an hour, uh, whilst the photo shoot itself uh, was the requisite 16 minutes long. Uh, half an hour in wearing nothing but a dress in 7 degree and or even 17 degree water is nuts. You can see the rest of the divers, they're in dry suits and gloves and all this kind of stuff. This poor model, I, I really feel for her. Uh, but New Guinness World Record. Um, should always remember that. Uh, I don't think anyone was uh, was injured in the uh, in the attempt. So uh, so well done. And uh, yeah, they have the picture to prove it. And the final news story is deep sea explorer and oceanographer, the former U.S. Navy Captain Don Walsh, who became one of the first two men to reach the ocean's deepest point in 1960, has died at the age of 92. Born on the 2nd of November 1931 in Berkeley, California. Don Walsh had joined the Navy in 1948, working as air crew before training to become a submarine officer, according to the United States Naval Institute, which announced Walsh's death. After commanding USS Bashaw, he had gone on to become the Navy's first deep submersible pilot. The Trieste had been developed at the Navy Expo. Expeditionary Laboratory in San Diego through Operation Necton, which was kept a secret at the time because the Navy didn't want what may have been a very expensive failure to be publicised. After five months of work in Guam in the Pacific in 1959, where multiple test dives were carried out, on the 15th of January 1960, Lieutenant Walsh and Swiss oceanographer Jacques Picard dived the Trieste seven kilometres into Nero Deep in the Mariana Trench, southwest of the island. Just over a week later, on the 23rd of January, the pair made their historic dive to 10.911 kilometres deep underwater in the Challenger Deep. Once they landed on the sea best, where Trieste would remain for 20 minutes, Picard had pointed out a small white flatfish. Um, though very brief, this was a very important observation, wrote Walsh. First, it told us that there was a higher order marine vertebrate living at this incredible depth. Second, if there was one, then there was probably many, as this was the bottom dwelling fish. And third, there were sufficient nutrients and oxygen to support life at the deepest sea floor. Subsequent submersible descents to Challenger Deep could only ever exceed the Trieste's achievement by a matter of a few metres, uh, and Walsh was awarded the Legion of Merit for the dive, which for the rest of his life, according to the USNI, enabled his influence within the Navy and halls of Congress as a staunch advocate for the continued ocean exploration. And on to some Ask Mark questions. Uh, Mr. Neobuxer says, Hello, Mark. Thank you for your great content. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, I wanted to ask you, since you reviewed the Apex Exotech BCD, and because I already own one and love it, uh, do you think the BCD would be okay for a DIR equipment setup? Uh, strictly no, because DIR is very specific. Um, it, it depends how like hardline you want to go with it. I mean, if you turned up to like a, a GUE like fundamentals course or something with a um, uh, with an Exotech, uh, no, I mean they probably wouldn't turn you away, but they get you a, a backplate and a single piece harness. Um, it would work. It's it's a, it's a BCD. Um, you, you can strap a cylinder to your back, and you can still have a like long hose primary donate set up. And it'll get you there and back. 
But for a, a strict like DIR setup, no, they're very specific about like do's and don'ts and like where your your torch goes and which hands and all that kind of stuff. <coughs> and they they really they really wouldn't like the uh, the design of the um, uh, of the Exotech because it's as much as it does have a, a metal backplate. It's not a backplate and harness, a BPW, a backplate and wing setup. It's um, it's got articulated joints. It's got quick release buckles and uh, and lots of additional like failure points and stuff. So um, it, it's a matter of yeah, you could go diving recreationally with it, um, but it, it'll never like classify as a like DIR setup they're, they're very specific about what is and what isn't dir and um and yeah unless it's a, a backplate in a wing i mean even my backplate in a wing i don't think classifies as dir because i have a um uh, like an a gear harper loop to uh, to adjust my left shoulder just to have a bit of movement um and there's probably a few other things about my setup and so uh, that I use like DIR as inspiration more than requirements. It's it's a really safe setup and uh, with minimum minimal failure points, and it's it's a really good way of trying to make your team as universal as possible. Uh, so everyone has very similar equipment, same setup, and for like all eventualities, it's it's as as failure proof as possible um so when you start like adding and changing things then it suddenly becomes non-dir but yeah you could dive it it's just not strictly dir Alison Anthony says, I dive the Zen with the stainless steel backplate. I'm thinking of buying the aluminium plate for traveling, but I've heard there can be problems when using steel bolts on aluminium in salt water. Do you know anything about this? Uh, I've traveled with the steel plate before, just pack fewer clothes, amen, uh, but would like to take a lighter plate if possible. Yeah, so um, uh, what's it called? Is it ionic welding? I think is the uh, the term. I could be wrong, uh, but yeah, when you have two metals touching one another, especially in a salt water environment, they they can fuse. They can kind of weld themselves together. Um, it's like imbalance of ions and stuff. So um, yeah, the the usual adage with like backplates and harnesses and things is that metal should never touch metal especially when it's two different metals um so on a lot of like single tank adapters you'll find washers and then a like plastic or rubber washer to go in between so that way the bolt doesn't really touch the um uh, the backplate itself and when you have uh harnesses attaching onto the uh, the metal section of the backplate you don't have like tri-gliders or like clips you don't put bolt snaps and attach the metal hook of a bolt snap onto the metal section of the um, uh, of the backplate especially long term because yeah the, the metals confuse it, as long as you like wash it dry it and disassemble it between dives um or especially before storage i wouldn't worry too much about it um but yeah just get some uh like 
plastic washers, nylon washers, uh, even rubber will probably be okay. And, um, and just spaces so that, yeah, the, the metals aren't touching. It, it isn't consideration. Um, but, it's it's quite easy to uh, to mitigate the problem. You you just use some kind of plastic, uh, non metal spacer so that it's it's not touching basically. And that's it for the podcast. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll get some uh, something else because uh, I'm still recording this and Dima's still going on. Uh, hopefully something new or shiny is going to be released at uh, Dima, uh, Dima on top of the uh, the turn, the uh, the Descent Mark III I and the uh, the DNA. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be something else new, so uh, so I'm going to keep my eyes on social media. Uh, otherwise, yeah, remember to check out today's sponsor, scubapro.com. Uh, yeah, they've got some um, great new dive equipment out at the moment. Uh, I've got a Luna coming over. I think I've actually got two. Um, they're sitting me to the um the lunar and the um the wireless air integrated version of the lunar uh for a test so thank you scuba Pro, for sending them over um they also here in the uh, in the uk and, uh, and i think certain parts of the U- uh the eu they uh, they also have a um transmit not a transmitter offer oh, i've got computers on the brain uh they've got a uh, an octo offer on certain regulators so uh yeah if you're in the market for a new set of regulators uh scuba pro have always made really nice regulators and uh, and yeah you can save yourself some money uh otherwise head over to our website scubadivingmag.com for the latest scuba diving news and gear reviews thank you for listening everybody and of course safe diving